Thanks for tuning in to the Banner Church Podcast, recorded live in sunny Scottsdale, Arizona. For more information, visit banner.church today. Enjoy the message. Awesome. Thank you, Gianna. Thank you, uh, Banner Church. Hey. So exciting. Man. Whew. Let me get set up real quick. I'm learning the, the difficulties now that Josh has every week of setting up everything. There we go. iPad's open. We're good now. We're good. Uh, wow. Um, it is just amazing to be able to stand up here. Um, it's cool because, like, being on the hosting team, I'm, I am up here, and being on the worship team on occasion, I get to be up here. But uh, a little bit of intro about me. So, first and foremost, hi. <laughs> My name is Patrick. Um, I am the tech director uh, here at Banner Church. Uh, so basically, the things that make bo- booming sounds, uh, the lyrics, all that stuff, that's my team. Uh, we make sure it's loud and proud, and we make sure that at least everything that's on the screen is 90% correct. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we do our best, but it's, uh, it's so cool to serve this church in that way. Um, if you were told, like, 14-year-old Patrick that he'd be, like, working on staff at a church doing something with, like, technology, and he'd probably be like, you're a little crazy. Uh, but... It's exciting. Uh, my wife Megan and I uh, have been here. Yeah, you can celebrate her. She's awesome. Uh, we've been we've been at Banner Church now. December will be four years. Uh, which, if I can highlight those connection cards quickly, is uh, the day we came in was like two weeks before Christmas. Uh, we tried to sneak in and sneak out, but we somehow still filled out a connection card. And obviously, you know the end of the story so far. We're still here. Um, but definitely uh, a great time. We love being here. Uh, prior to being at Banner Church, though, just to give a little bit intro, because something that's very unique and why this is so special and so exciting for me to be up here is not a lot of people know that I actually worked in ministry. I was a campus missionary for a ministry known as Christian Challenge. Uh, oh, my goodness. I, about over eight years ago now. And I did uh, campus ministry at ASU and at GCU for several years, uh, and Australia Mountain Community College, but no one here is from Australia Mountain Community College, I'm pretty sure. That's super West Valley. Um, and the last time I got the opportunity to preach a sermon, was my last sermon was in 2014, so eight years ago. And there's one thing that I often say, like, I don't really live my life with much regret, because in the end, God's still good, and he teaches me a lot of good things. But I, there's times where I look back at that sermon, and I can tell I was checked out. I could tell that my heart wasn't there for it. I was really just kind of playing emotion, trying to, you know, just speak and then be done with it. Because it, like, it was like my last week in ministry, and I was, I was fed up. I was like, I'm done with this. People are messy. I'm tired of all you people. And so I, uh, a short time after that, I actually walked away from the church. I walked away from my faith. And I highlight that specifically in this moment because there's two things, or there's, there's many of things, but one thing I want to testify to is um, God is good. Yeah. No matter your circumstances, I love it all the time, like God is good, right? Um, but God is good. And no matter your circumstances, God is always going to be good. He's always present, and he's always near. And I highlighted this a little bit in first service, that sometimes we think presence and nearness are the same thing. But how often have you been present in a room with someone but you didn't talk to them. You weren't emotionally connected. You weren't intimate with them as a, in a conversation. 
Nearness is a, is a whole separate thing where you get to stand, not only stand, but be in intimacy with somebody. And so God is good, present, and near. And I, I can testify to that because even though I stepped away and I said, I'm done with this, I threw my hands up, I threw the white talon. God was present through the entire time. Every moment that I, want, I wanted to take things further and leave things behind more, God was there. And if I can testify to my whole life, I'm pretty sure that's just the testimony of my entire life, that God's been present through it all. I can see that scarlet thread from day one to now, to even now, if I can celebrate briefly, because some of y'all probably have us on Facebook. I want to celebrate a little bit. Um, so we've had a story. We've had a journey, my wife and I, and we've been fighting to have a kid. We've wanted a kid. We've struggled through ectopic pregnancy, through miscarriage, through hurt, pain, loss. And at every step of the way, the his, the, my past was like, oh, just leave it again, just leave it again. God's, God's not here. God's not present. God's not near. And I'm going to tell you right now, this church prayed, cried, held us, supported us, encouraged us to the one and only true God. And I can tell you, standing here today, in full test testimony, God healed my wife. Full healing. I'm willing to declare that today. We are expecting our first kid. And the crazy thing about it, and I'm going to celebrate it because it is a miraculous healing because we were told it wasn't going to happen. We were told we had 0.5% of a chance. We were told that it wasn't going to be this, this fallopian tube, whatever those are called. Um, and we were told it wasn't going to be that one and that was never going to be the thing. And this kid not only is a uh, testament to the healing of that tube, it is a testament of the healing of my wife's body. It is a testament to the faith and tenacity of this church yeah. and what God is doing. So uh, please, uh, in the end, celebrate that. Celebrate God's healing because I do believe God has healing for us and is here with us. Um, and then I want to highlight, because again, it's been a while since I've preached. Yes, I get to host, and yes, in my day job, I get to talk a lot. And everyone knows me, I am Chatty Kathy. Just changed my name now. Um, but uh, please, I, I just ask for grace to this, this morning uh, in, this, in this preaching, in this de declaration of God's goodness and word, that sometimes my words are going to probably fumble. You'll catch it because I'll make weird sounds. Uh, <laughs> just, I guess, my nature... Uh, randomly I miss a word and all of, sudden, all of a sudden a fart sound comes through the system. That's not the system. It's not the subwoofer. That's me. Um, but yeah, so yeah, my words are going to fumble, but uh, knowing this, that even in our fumbling, even in sometimes our, our preparation, God is always moving. And he was there before and he's going to continue to be through it. And so no matter what, I know God's going to move. He gave me a word. He, gave, he drew me through it. He would not prepare it if he was not prepared to fulfill it and bring it about to somebody. So, amen. Call to call, just kidding. Um, let's go ahead and dive into it. I'm going to pray real quick because I definitely believe, a firm believer that prayer uh, precedes all things. So, Father God, we just, uh, we thank you so much right now for uh, your goodness, your presence, your nearness, God. We th praise you for your healing and just who you are, God. We pray that you reveal to us today what you have for us. And that you be that we be full of the Spirit and attentive to your word. It's your son's name we pray. Amen. Awesome, y'all. Well, this morning we're gonna be in Acts 6. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up. Turn to that. If not, 
you're uh, tech savvy, flip your phone open, hit the Bible app, uh, top on over, or we have it on the screen for you. Uh, water. Um, so I'll start in verse one and read through this. So now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenius, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Amen. I love this passage. Um, just so much to it. So it's got, we're going to dive in. I'm going to jump back up to verse 1. Now, in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. So one thing I want to do, and this is something I love, that we have amazing communicators at this church. Am I right? Yeah. We have some amazing pastors and Josh and Katie, um, and we have some gifted, gifted uh, young men or I guess now most of us aren't that young, but we have some gift, gifted, gifted men in, the, in this church who um, God has definitely gifted to speak and communicate biblical truth. And one thing I love deeply that uh, they all do is they all bring some context to what's happening. Because sometimes I, don't, I can't be the only person who's like reading through something and you're like, what the heck is happening right now? Like, I have that question a lot. Cause I'm like, why are they doing what they're doing? Why are they saying what they're saying? Like, um, it, context is key. So I want to give a little bit of brief context to kind of start off and see where we're at in the line of the story and the narrative of the church and uh, what this all kind of like entails. So obviously, pre-Acts, we have Jesus, right? We have Jesus, God in flesh, came, walked among us. He, di he died and was rose again. Those, amen, right? Praise. And so after the, after the resurrection, we have Jesus appearing to the apostles, promising the Holy Spirit, and then ascending to the right hand of God. Then shortly after the ascension, we have what is known as Pentecost, that is the receiving of the Holy Spirit. So we have the reception of the promise of the Holy Spirit, and after that, that's where things get crazy. Because all of a sudden now, we receive the Holy Spirit, we're seeing laymen walk, we're seeing lives healed, and we're seeing rapid, rapid expansion of the gospel. So not only uh, was this all kind of like right after Pentecost and receiving the Holy Spirit, it was just going. And so that was where it brings us now. So from Pentecost to now, we're looking at about five years gap. Not really significant five years, you know, but five-year gap of now coming here. So it's safe to, it's, it's not safe to assume, but it's good to know that this is where the growth is happening. So right in this top, it's talking about in verse one, uh, the disciples were increasing in number. So we're seeing this highlight, there's been lots of growth. And so five years after Pentecost, the Jerusalem Christian community is experiencing tremendous growth. It's super rapid, just going. We have believers from all over. In this passage, we have two groups to highlight, though. 
devil horns. Nope. <laughs> Peace sign. <laughs> two groups. I don't know why I did that. I think it's because I played baseball at one point in my life. But two, uh, two groups. Uh, first one being we have the Hellenists. Uh, so a long time, I, I was really confused at first because I hadn't really seen that word much until more recently when I was reading through this. Uh, in, another, in another Bible I have, uh, I think it's the NASB, it says uh, Grecian. Turns out they're the same thing. Hellenist, Grecian, same thing. It's the Greek-speaking Jews. So we have the Greek-speaking Jews from the diaspora. So this is the dispersed Jews um, prior to Christ. Uh, they're not from Palestine. Their culture is completely different. Obviously, their language is very different than what they're, where, what they're used to in Palestine. And then we have the Hebrews. The Hebrews, obviously, these are the Jews who, have been, who are native to Palestine, and they've been around, they speak Aramaic, they know the culture and the customs and the systems. So as I mentioned, these Hebrews, the, the Christians, the Hebrew Jews, what do you want to call them, they're seeing rapid increase in the numbers. And with this rapid increase, this presents some administrative problems. Because now in this, we have a combination of different cultures, languages and understanding and in people and the problem that was perceived by the Hellenists was that their widows were being neglected which you know I believe it's safe to assume that it was not intentional because this is something that the Hebrews have had systems for for a long long time we can look back at uh, Deuteronomy 14 in the Old Testament uh, where it says at the end of every three years you shall bring out all of the tithe of your produce in the same year and lay it up within your towns and the Levite because he has no portion or inheritance with you, and the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow who are within your towns shall come and eat and be filled, that the Lord your God may, be, may bless you in all the work of your hands that you do. So we see that in the Old Testament. There's already an establishment of caring for those in need, right? Yeah. And then we have in Acts 4. So we see in Acts 4 uh, that there is a desire to care for the needy, and so we see a system being established even further in Acts 4, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, uh, touching specifically on it, is now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. But they had everything in common, and with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. So right there in Acts 4, we're seeing the church of Acts setting up the system. They had all sold they had, land, housing, etc., and then they brought it to the apostles to be distributed to any who had need. And so the apostles right there are ensuring that they had a system in place to care for the needy. But again, as can happen with rapid growth of a community, and, not, and to add on, cultural differences, language differences, and different understandings, it's easy to see how the Hellenist widows were overlooked. Not of intent, just purely because it's just how the systems are. Man-made systems aren't perfect. Am I right? God is, so we're good. Um, so, I love this, because what is the apostles' response to the grievance? And in verse 2, we see the apostles' response, and it says, The twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, 
pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So right there, in response to the complaint from the Hellenists, uh, rather than blaming other people or just brushing off like, ah, but it doesn't matter, like we're good, God will take care of it. The apostles set forth a plan and they seek to appoint men from amongst the disciples to take on this duty. So don't get me wrong. Uh, it's not that they were above serving the tables. I don't want anyone to hear that today and be like, well, ministering to the word is better than serving the needy. I'm going to go ahead and just talk about Jesus all day long. No, because if you talk about Jesus and don't serve the needy, uh, you're missing a point. And so it's not because they were above serving the tables. It just was not their calling or gifting. And you see, the apostles were the ones that were sent with authority as messengers to establish the church. Their primary responsibility and calling is to preach the word and bear witness to Christ. And so, therefore, to serve the tables then would then distract them from their calling and gifting. And so in order to not neglect that personal calling, the apostles tasked the full number of the disciples to pick from amongst themselves seven men for this ministry. And so, to highlight a couple things, it is assumed, one, that these men were of the Hellenists, the Greek-speaking Jews. Because if it makes sense, because the, the full disciples are growing, we have disciples from all over now, and the highlight really is the Hellenists, and who better to communicate and establish the need of the neglected window, widows than men from that group, that culture, that language. Like, it, I, it would be like me going down to an area that speaks only Spanish and assuming that I'm going to be able to catch all their needs. I might be able to do some, some good work, because I know the Spirit's going to be moving, but, like, I'm not going to know everything. I can't speak Spanish. I know two phrases. Um, and one of them says, we don't do that here. <laughs> so, uh, I learned that one because I try to get refills in Chile. Um, Chile, not Chile, not the food. Don't get me wrong. I, w I want refills of, of soda, too, but it was when I was in Chile, I tried to get refills of a Coca-Cola, and they said, eso no se hace. And I was like, okay, good, 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 good to know. So, it is assumed that these men were of the Hellenists, and not only were the apostles seeking to find someone to fill this need, because they could have just grabbed one of their own and be like, hey, go do this. They wanted people of that group and that culture to take it on because there were, uh, the system had broken down in regards to their people. So the, these men would have known best who the needy widows were and would be able to communicate easily with them, communicate well with them. So they were able to meet those needs. So of course, Diving into it, the apostles, though, had to lay down some qualifications because they didn't want just some random Joe Schmo being picked in like, hey, come on, hang out with us and own this ministry. Like, we don't, they, didn't, they had these qualifications set forth. So the qualifications are as follows. First, good repute. So I love the, the Greek word here is uh, martureo, uh, same rooting as martyr, and that's to, to be a witness and have good report. So these men had to be people who had a good report about them. They had good character. People knew them as of good standing. Second, full of the Spirit. These men had to be filled with the Holy Spirit and had to have evidence, have had have been witnessed, ev having evidence of, I said evidence like five times. These men had to have been witnessed in some way that the Spirit was working in them. There we go. I got my thought out finally. Uh, thank you, Jesus. Uh, and then full of wisdom. Third, full of wisdom. 
the Greek word for wisdom here is, uh, is Sophia, which basically means skill in matters of common life, sound judgment, intelligence, and practical wisdom. So not only did these men have to have good report, good character, and they had to be filled with the Holy Spirit, but they also had to have good understanding of the culture and the, the surroundings of what's going on. They had to have understanding of probably distributing needs. They probably had an understanding of charity that the apostles just didn't quite have. And so, good, full, good repute, full of spirit, full of wisdom. And then this response allows the apostles to remain focused to their calling without neglecting any other aspect of ministry. And I do believe it is abundantly clear that the apostles value both ministering to the word and serving the tables. Their intent was not to prioritize one or the other, because again, to do so, to prioritize any aspect of a ministry over another or deeming one less essential is going to be a grave disservice to the church as a whole. And if I could take it just a little bit further, I believe serving in your gifting and calling is an essential piece of this puzzle. I would love to say that your gifts are essential to the church. And the way each of us is gifted and called is needed in order for the church to function properly. 1 Corinthians 12 uh, gives us, it's going to be a long one. Hang out with me. It will be on the screens. Let's start at the top uh, for uh, verse 12. Chapter 12, verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews are Greeks, slaves are free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. And if it, the ear would say, should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be the weaker are indispensable. And those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow greater honor, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ, individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you still more a still more excellent way. Amen. Amen. Oh, yeah. Come on. 
Uh, we can always say amen to scripture. It doesn't bother me at all. God wrote it, so he's good. Um, I love verse, verse 19. I paused a little bit on it because this one, it poses a question to us. And it's, if all were a single member, where would the body be? Right? Because not all of us are called or gifted in the same way. And I think that's abundantly clear. Like, I'm not going to function in the same way as, say, my wife. I'm not going to be the guy sometimes. Like, I'm, I, I'm, I got a friendly face, kind of. But I can't always be the guy waving people down like, hey, because they might be like, oh, man, that guy's really angry. Um, I have uh, a scowl, as they call it. And so not all of us are called and gifted in the same way. And I think that's abundantly clear that the apostles understood that and responded in a way that would allow the church to function in a healthy manner and then to be protected and to grow. So jumping back to Acts 6 in verse 5, and, when, and what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Prochorus, and Nicanor, Timon, and Parmenius, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they, were, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great number— oh wait— and the word of God continued to increase. I missed that part. And the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. So the entire group of disciples, the full council of disciples, that was called, was pleased with this decision. They were like, yes, let's call seven men from us to serve in this duty. And then the disciples did as instructed by the apostles and selected seven men. And I'm going to highlight the two, two of them because two of them are really cool. Well, actually, they're all probably pretty cool, but we have a lot of stories about two of them. And so amongst those seven men, we are introduced to Stephen and Philip. These two are, I highlight because both of these men play a huge role in spreading the gospel uh, after this. And uh, it's like, even though they were called to serve the tables, it doesn't mean that they weren't gifted in other ways. It doesn't mean they weren't gifted as communicators. It wasn't, doesn't mean that they weren't going to do greater things, different things. And so, uh, like, uh, just the next chapter, we see Stephen. So highlight Stephen for a second. Stephen, in chapter 7, is now then arrested and is put forth and is preaching the gospel to these men who arrested them. And yes, Stephen also preaches unto death. And then in chapter 8, we see Philip, and Philip takes the gospel of the Lord to Samaria, which anyone who knows the background history on that one, it's a big deal. So we have Philip taking the gospel to those who arrest him. Uh, no, Stephen taking the gospel to those who arrest him. Philip taking the gospel to Samaria. And yet both were calling that time to serve the tables. And they did it. And so they were selected and they presented the apostles. And I love the apostles' response basically to establishing them. So, one, the apostles established that these men were indeed of the three qualifications, of good repute, full of the Spirit, and full of wisdom. Even Stephen has said, uh, full of faith and of, uh, and of the Holy Spirit. I love that he highlights that, that it's highlighted there. So the apostles affirmed this decision in the laying on of the hands and commissioning them. This is powerful because uh, as we see throughout Scripture, throughout the narrative, the laying on of hands is deeply important because you have the laying on of hands and healing, we have the laying on of hands and anointing, and we have the laying on of hands and commissioning. So in this moment, the apostles are saying, yes, we affirm you, and we commission you to do this. Serve the tables. And then, in, that, in verse 7, and the word of God continued to increase. 
And the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. So right here, we see the apostles and disciples functioning in their gifting and calling, full of the Holy Spirit, full of wisdom, made way for further kingdom growth. And I think this is an important thing to sit on is, um, oh, you know how they even see that many of the priests become obedient to the faith. So in this, the disciples and the apostles are functioning in their calling, and we're seeing that the gospel is going. The kingdom is growing. It wasn't like, oh yeah, do this and stay stagnant. Like, it shows the essential nature of them serving in what they were called and gifted to do. Uh, ben, if you want to go ahead and come back up. So going back to that 1 Corinthians 12, uh, verse 19. Again, I pose the question. If all were a single member, where would the body be? And the church, if I can pose, if I can kind of twist the question, not twist, I don't like that word. If I can kind of turn the question though real quick. If all were acting as the member of the body, so as they are individually designed, where would the body be? I wholeheartedly believe that when we, as the body of Christ, serve in our gifting and calling, full of the Holy Spirit and full of wisdom, we will see lives touched and transformed by the gospel. And church, if you want to see and experience the full work of God, I'm going to tell you right now, it's very simple. Serve. If you want to see lives healed, if you want to see the miraculous gifts, guess what? Serve. If you want to see the gospel reach the edges of the earth, you ready for it? Serve. Because uh, as I mentioned before, like we all hold such a special gift within us. And these gifts are given to us. Like not always do we get to choose like what we're gifted at. Like, as much as I could try, I'm not a good drummer. And that's okay. Um, but we are all given gifts. And when we function in these gifts, we will see the work of God come to completion. And ultimately, I say, serve. So I have a couple responses I want, I want to just kind of share with you all. And go ahead and stand with us. Um, so some of you are probably thinking right now. I, I imagine there's a few of you thinking that it's like, I don't know how I'm gifted. Or some of you are probably thinking, oh, I'm not gifted. I have nothing to offer. I have not been given some special talent, ability. And you're locked up on this like roadblock, struggling to break through it and be like, well, I, I don't have a gift. How do I serve? How can I serve? So I want to share you a couple things. Like once, one, in my own story, my own life, I can empathize greatly with that. I once had this like inner turmoil my whole life where I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I had like, I have been playing music my whole life. And there was a time period where I was like, I'm going to be a, a professional punk rocker. I'm going to go the distance. Like one, there's no such thing as a professional punk rocker. It just doesn't exist. But um, I, I, I longed hard to be a musician. And then one day I randomly found myself in a church playing music. And I, I do believe I'm gifted musically because uh, it's something I, I love to do and it's something that, got, like, that definitely comes from outside of me. Like I, the tenacity to learn an instrument is not taught. You are born with a tenacity to want to learn something like that. 
And there's a lot of people who are gifted in those ways or in different ways that take that same tenacity that I could never accomplish. Like I am not a numbers guy. I could pretend all day long that I have this gift of administration with numbers and organization, but I do not. I can fake it till I make it and I'm really good with spreadsheets now, but no, it's not, it's not where I'm gifted. It's not where I'm called to be. So I urge you, if that is your struggle right now, if you're saying here like, I don't know how I'm gifted, I want you to do these things first. Ultimately, begin serving. You want to know what God has for you? You want to see the work of God and you, you just don't know where to start? Start with serving. I guarantee you, you will see it. And if you're unsure where uh, that all begins, I'm going to give you a real big shameless plug right now. This church. This church has a tremendous need for people to serve. Like to start, we have our kids team. We have kids that come through these doors weekly who are the next generation. They're the next pastors. They're the next deacons, elders. They're the next CEOs, bank tellers, Safeway checkout people. They are the next. Serve them. We have our worship team. If you're, if, if you're gifted to know four chords on a guitar, I guarantee you the Lord can use that and bring about great, mighty works. It's amazing what can happen. I can tell you right now, I, learned, I only knew four chords. You all have me up here on stage on occasion. I clearly have learned some things. <laughs> and then like uh, guest care. This is a special thing. I always highlight that because guest care is very specific. Not everyone is gifted at greeting people. Like I can tell you now, I can have a one-on-one conversation with a person. I can say, hey, how are you? So glad you're here. But there's, it takes a special person. Like I think of the Christinas and the Carloses who stand out there and the moment they smile and wave at someone, they get a response. They get people who walk through these doors. They get conversations going. And then even more, we have Love the Block. Ministries like Love the Block. And then we have like the Back to School Bash. These are things that are pivotal to our mission as a church and to the mission as the church as a whole globally to reach the needy people. And these are how we do it. So if you don't know where to start, again, serve, begin. Um, and then secondly, which this could, uh, th- this order is not specific, but pray. Seek the Lord. Um, so, time, so many times we overcomplicate this thing of service and we overcomplicate gifting and calling. A lot of times it's just we haven't done the work to pray about it. We haven't done the due diligence of just stepping in and saying, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and serve kids right now. Lord, I don't know what you have for me, but I'm a servant kids. I'm going to pray fervently for you to move. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with wisdom and guide me. So I encourage you to pray. Seek the Lord. Pray to be full of the Holy Spirit. Again, that's key. We are people, we are a church marked by the Holy Spirit. We cannot go anywhere from here unless the Spirit's with us and has gone before us. So full of the Holy Spirit, full of wisdom, ask for him to reveal to you. How are you gifted? God, what do you have for me? How? And then follow up with that. Ask, how can I serve in that gifting? But sometimes we think administrative giftings are only going to be bookkeepers. I tell you right now, uh, in the world of my tech stuff in the back, I would love for someone who's super administrative to come in and say, hey, I have some organizational systems you can use. That'd be amazing because that's something I don't have. Like I said, I can fake it till I make it and I'm good with spreadsheets, but that's not what I need. I need someone who has order and structure. Same goes with anywhere else. Sometimes we just don't know where we can serve in our gifting because we have this like roadblock and this like view of like our gifting only functions one setting. And so seek the Lord. Pray for fullness 
and pray, how can I serve? And again, this last one is like, again, another shameless plug, and I'm gonna hit it a couple times. Those connection cards that we highlighted, we hit them on hard, is use that card. That's an opportunity for you to take a next step and sign up and say, I wanna serve this church. I don't know where I'm gonna serve this church. And so take that card, fill it out, and let's get you plugged in to serve anywhere. You know, maybe you want to jump around for a little bit. Like, you want to do guest care one month, and you're like, okay, how can I serve in tech for a month? Like, we'll figure it out. We'll get you plugged in. We'll get you serving. Because, again, when we serve in our gifting and calling, we will see the kingdom grow. We will see lives transformed by the gospel. We will see the needy met. And we'll see the miraculous work of God at hand. It's just like if you want to see the miraculous happen, sometimes you have to put yourself in a state where the miraculous is required. If you want to see the work of God happen, you're not going to see the work of God happen when you're staying on the sidelines. And I know sometimes, like, for some of you, it's like, well, I've always been in the outskirts. I'm going to tell you right now, this is your invitation. I'm inviting you. Come in. I will, I will personally talk to you and hand you off to someone and say, hey, you're going to go ahead and go, you're going to serve in kids. You're going to serve in guest care, you know. I'll get you plugged in. I'll help you. I love it. Because that's what someone did for me. Now I'm the tech director. Hey. So I would love the opportunity to pray with any of you personally who are struggling with that and have that roadblock. Because I've been there. I can empathize well. And so I'll be up front here during the response time if you want to pray. And then lastly, um, there's just a point in this where I don't want to leave anyone aside. And I know there's people here who are probably like, I have nothing to offer you. I have nothing for the space because I don't believe in Jesus or I don't have this relationship that you're talking about. So I can't even know, I don't even know what it means to be full of the spirit, full of wisdom. Like, I think I'm a good person. I think I have talents and traits that could be skillful and a gifting. And so I want to push to you, those people who are like, I don't have this relationship that you talk about. I want to encourage you right now. This one thing. Uh, the God of all the universe sent himself in flesh, Jesus, fully God, fully man, to take your iniquity on the cross. He came, he walked among us, he declared it, repent, for the kingdom of God is in your midst, and he took it to the cross, and he died. But he didn't leave it there. Jesus rose again three days later, which is the sealing of our election, sealing of the promise that says, you are mine. And in that act, I'll tell you right now, some of y'all, like, highlighting the orphans and the widows for a second, some of y'all are like, I, like that, I want that relationship because you don't know what it's like. And in that act, Jesus not only paid the cost and sealed it, he adopted you. The Lord adopted you. He made you an heir with Christ. So now no longer are you standing as an outsider in the mix, but you are standing as someone who stands in full heirship with Jesus Christ. And in Ephesians 1, it talks about how we have received every spiritual blessing. And in that airship, we have that. So I encourage you, for those who are like, I don't have a relationship, I want, I want to pray with you. I want you to know that the Lord of all the universe loves you, cares deeply for you, and desires an intimate relationship with you. At one point in the history of the world, we could not access an interpersonal relationship with the Lord unless we entered through a curtain. And Jesus dying, ripped that curtain open. We have access, intimate access to the presence of God. So again, he is good. He is present. He is near. So I want to pray for you and 
just pray that you be open. So this, likewise, those of you who are wanting to serve but don't know where to serve, we're going to pray. Those of you who want to know Jesus and then to serve, we're going to pray. Father God, uh, we just love you. Um, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your presence and your nearness, God. We want to just praise you in all things. You made him who knew no sin to be sin, God, so that we may receive the righteousness of God and stand as co-heirs with Christ and receive every spiritual blessing. God, I pray for those who are struggling to break past this roadblock of how am I gifted or I'm not gifted, God. I pray that right now you meet them where they're at, you break down that barrier, and you reveal to them that they are full of the Spirit, full of wisdom, and that they are gifted, God. And I pray if they're struggling still, again, pour out on them, God. Pour out your Holy Spirit and allow them to be open. And I pray that they will receive that and have that revealed and walk in that. And I pray for the, the anomaly of the person who doesn't know you, God. I pray right now that you meet them where they're at. You break down that wall. You fill them with the Holy Spirit. Give them the wisdom and draw them into intimacy. God, reveal your goodness to us because you are great and you are mighty. And again, we praise you, God, because you are our purpose. You are our foundation. You are the center of what we do. And all this is for your goodness and glory. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Banner Church Podcast. We hope this message was impactful for you. Check the episode notes to visit our website, follow us on social media, and subscribe to our podcast. We'll see you again next week.